Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Jehovah coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Monday evening where we continue our reflections into the great Christian thinkers. We are in the 16th century, and we are in our second week of reflecting into St. Teresa of Avila. So I do welcome you here into the studio, and if you are tuning in by way of podcast outside of the country, I also welcome you, especially those listening in Brazil, uh, Argentina, Chile, uh, Mexico, Canada, Italy, France, Portugal, Spain, Turkey, India, all of you who are taking 30 minutes out of your schedule to listen to Seeds of Truth, uh, I do welcome you. As I have said before, it is very much an honor and a privilege that you take out um, time out of your busy schedules to reflect with me into this all-important subject matter from one week to the next. You know, Monday evening we are about um, history, church history, through the eyes and prism of some of the great Christian thinkers and saints through the years. Tuesday, we spend some time reflecting into where Pope Francis is at um, in the news, and certainly we've talked about joy of the gospel. Wednesday, uh, an evening devoted to special topics. Right now, we are in uh, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And of course, Thursday is about reflecting into the gospel text that we will hear on Sunday. And so what we try to do is uh, diversify, really, our subject matter, engage in it from all angles, north, south, east, and west, right, that we might come to a deeper appreciation of the treasure that is uh, the deposit of faith in the Catholic Church. So it very much is an honor and privilege for me to journey with you in all of these modes of better understanding um, our faith. Anyhow, um, with that, uh, St. Teresa of Avila, um, and John O'Hare, by the way, is not with me, um, he is away for the holidays, so I will be flying solo. If you have any questions, please do not hesitate to email me at jholljmj at yahoo.com, or you can go to my website at joeholcraft.org, just hit the contact link button there, and send your question or comment on its way. Okay, so with that, St. Teresa of Avila, again, last week we looked at her life and all of the great things that she did in her life. And while we looked at her life, we did also look at, among other things, her all-important definition of prayer, huh? as being on terms of friendship with God and how we are called to frequently converse in secret with Him, who we know loves us, right? By the way, that is the definition that comes to us directly, not only from her writings, but from her writings um, to the Catechism, paragraph 2709. And you see her um, quoted a handful of times in the Catechism, huh? So we talked about her focus on prayer. I mean, we have talked about a great number of quote-unquote spiritual masters of the Church. Now, pending who you talk to, you would be hard-pressed to find someone greater than St. Teresa of Avila. Um, there are a lot of great spiritual theologians and spiritual masters, but St. Teresa of Avila probably ranks number one, and this again is why we are spending two weeks with her. So we talked about her life and the meaning of this beautiful definition of prayer with the backdrop of how we conventionally think about prayer, right? 
Prayer is what but conversation with God. And once we understand that, that prayer is conversation with God, putting prayer in the context of friendship, as St. Teresa of Avila would so often do, hopefully makes more sense. I mean, when we go to our friends for, say, advice, when we go to our friends for, say, um, a helping hand, when we go to our friends for, say, a request to pray for uh, a particular thing that is going on in our life, should we not also do that with God? (laughs) What does Jesus Christ say in the gospel? I call you my friend. So let us call him our friend. And in so doing, go deeper in our relationship with him, because it is there, as St. Teresa of Avila would remind us, that we truly do discover the will of God in our life. Now, that being said, we did um, add a second week, because I wanted to get into um, a little bit of her two other works, The Way of Perfection and the Interior Castle, and kind of draw out some key themes there. Uh, It was in 1566 that St. Teresa wrote the way of uh, perfection that she called her recommendations and advice that Teresa of Jesus offers to her sisters. Uh, It was composed for the 12 novices of the Carmel of St. Joseph in Avila that we talked about last week. And in this work, St. Teresa proposes to them an intense program of the contemplative life at the service of the church, at the root of which are the evangelical virtues of poverty, chastity, obedience, and a life of prayer. Now, a quick word about contemplation. We've talked about this word a great deal, but I think we've uh, missed a key point. The word contemplation comes from the Latin contemplatio, which literally means act of looking at. Did you get that? Act of looking at. Now, what does that mean? Well, what does St. John Vianney say? St. <laughs> John Vianney says, you know, contemplation is me looking at at him and him looking back at me, most especially in the Blessed Sacrament. So what St. John Vianney is talking about is, well, the act of looking. He, in essence, gets to the heart of it. I often go to my own courtship with my wife. You know, when we go out on a date, I find myself just looking at her, and in the act of looking at her, falling more in love with her. Huh? It can become a powerful medium of conversation. That is, the medium of looking at. So maybe the next time you go to prayer, um, if it's not before the Blessed Sacrament, go before a crucifix and look at him. Contemplate (laughs) the deeper meaning of uh, what his life was all about. It can become a powerful, powerful thing. And this is prayer without spoken words, huh? just that more interior reflection. And so this is what St. Teresa of Avila was after, when she would talk about how the contemplative life is at the service of the church, at the root of which are the evangelical virtues of poverty, chastity, obedience, and the larger life of prayer. Because the more we spend time contemplating the life of Christ, the more our very lives are going to reflect who we contemplate, huh? Okay, what else is in this work, uh, The Way of Perfection? Well, she offers up one of her most precious reflections Um, on the Our Father as really the model of all prayer. And I might direct you to Wednesday evenings here, because again, right now, Wednesday evenings, we are engaging the Our Father, and certainly we are touching upon some of St. Teresa of Avila's insights. Before I go any further, I'm looking down at my notes. I received a recent question 
Um, as we're going through these saints and Christian thinkers, I have used the word novitiate and have failed to explain what a novitiate is. So when you enter a religious community, before you start your studies, per se, you go through what is called a postulant year and a novitiate year. The postulant year is typically seven to nine months where you get to know more about religious life, what it's all about, the rhythm and the tenor, and you take those initial steps towards a deeper discernment of your potential vocation to religious life and the priesthood. The novitiate year is a much more intense year, arguably more intense than even your major theological studies, because it is a calendar year, 365 days, set aside for you to focus in on who you are before God. You have a spiritual master, a novitiate master, overseeing you, from which you engage on a pretty regular basis, looking at the areas in your life where you are called to change. It's very intense. You pray a lot, um, and you work a lot. Uh, if you are a faithful listener to this radio program, you know well that I, that at one time I discerned the call to the priesthood with the Franciscans. I went through a novitiate, uh, a year, 365 days of intense prayer, uh, of intense work, of a daily examination of conscience like I had never seen before. And let me tell you, while I had discerned I was called to the married life, I am forever grateful um, for that year because I am a better person for it. And certainly uh, my wife jokes around often. She too is grateful and sometimes wants to send me back to another novitiate year. No, no. All right, anyhow. So the novitiate year is an intensification, if you will, of your discernment. And Typically after that year, if you are called to the religious life, if you are called to the priesthood, you make uh, simple vows, and then you go into your major theological studies. You know, something else before we go any further, and this just kind of strikes me as I'm talking, we talked about St. John of Avila's letters uh, that became a spiritual classic, Listen, O Daughter. Well, the way of perfection, once again, are another series of spiritual antidotes uh, for spiritual direction. Isn't it interesting how classics emerge through history <laughs> as outgrowths, if you will, of spiritual direction from one to another? It's fascinating. Okay, that being said, it was in 1577 that St. Teresa wrote arguably her most famous mystical work, The Interior Castle. Now, The Interior Castle is a reinterpretation of her own spiritual journey, and at the same time, we can say a codification of the possible development of the Christian life towards its fullness, holiness, if you will, under the action of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting, I was just talking about how classics emerge out from spiritual direction, while they also emerge when these great saints tell their stories, St. Augustine in the Confessions, and here St. Teresa of Avila in the Interior Castle. Now, in the interior castle, St. Teresa of Avila refers to the structure of a castle with seven rooms as an image of human interiority, if you will. Okay, I'll say that again. In the interior castle, St. Teresa offers up for us this image of a castle to the structures of a castle with seven rooms as an image of the interior life while simultaneously introducing to us the symbol of 
the silkworm reborn as a butterfly. Of course, she does this in order to express the passage from the natural to the supernatural. This is common to St. Teresa of Avila. She would like to use the image to evangelize our imagination, that we might have something to think about as we contemplate the deeper mysteries of God and how we might go deeper. So in the interior castle, she gives us this silkworm reborn as a butterfly to again express the passage from the natural to the supernatural. And this language should sound, should sound familiar to us. Why? Because does this not explain the mystical life itself, huh? What is the mystical encounter? But the experience of spiritual things within the ordinary and a keen conviction that the spiritual reality out from the encounter is far greater and more beautiful than any ordinary experience, huh? You might attempt to explain your experience, but you just can't quite get at it, right? You hint, you jest, you reach, but it always comes up short because the finite can never definitively describe the infinite. Most of us have had what we can call mystical experiences within this context. We have this dramatic encounter with God, and we try to explain it to another, and we just can't quite do it. But if it is real, if it is authentic, it transforms our life. Huh? So this is the kind of thing that St. Teresa of Avila develops in all of her works, most especially in the interior castle. What's more in this work, in the interior castle, St. Teresa draws inspiration from sacred scripture, particularly the Song of Songs, for that final symbol of the bride and bridegroom, which, which enables her to describe in the seventh room, for her, the four crowning aspects of the Christian life. Uh, union with the Trinity, union with Christ, a deeper understanding of the body and soul, and how it all relates to the life of the church. You know, it is far from easy <laughs> to sum up in a few words St. Teresa's profound and articulate spirituality, but I think we can highlight a few key pieces. And the first one is this, self-knowledge and its import into detachment from possessions. One of the foundational steps along the road to transformation in Christ is self-knowledge, self-knowledge and truthfulness, the virtue of truthfulness. You have heard me talk about the virtue of truthfulness before and why it is so foundational, especially in light of the interior life, huh? Because truthfulness is simply recognizing who we are for exactly that and nothing more. Who we are as created in the image and likeness of God, that the process of change can effectively actually transform our hearts. What is that great line from John Paul II? An excuse is worse than a lie because it is a lie guarded. You see, my friends, the more we excuse the lie, the greater the task is to protect the false self, right? The virtue of humility instructs us here because the humble person does not judge himself to be smaller or larger than he really is, huh? The humble person is not troubled by self-interest, reputation, and even failure. Humility is the mother and fountainhead of all human virtues because it truly does set us free. So we avoid the false self by being humble and honest with ourselves and increasing in our knowledge of those areas of our life 
those faults that are holding us back in our transformation in Christ. What's more, as we talk about self-knowledge, we have to be aware of the role our mind has in our conversion. This was very important to St. Teresa of Avila. It is to remember that our volitional acts, what we will, if you will, <laughs> are conditioned to our cognitive apprehensions, huh? The uprooting of our vices requires a knowledge of our defects. I mean, this is what the novitiate life is all about. I was describing the novitiate year earlier, what those 365 days look like. This is what it looks like. 365 days of getting to know yourself better. So once we are equipped with a better knowledge of who we are, then we are well on our way to transforming our lives concretely, practically, right? Fruitful self-knowledge has us confronting God and in turn allowing God to challenge us in the spiritual life. You know, today there is a tendency to just want to be mediocre, right? The great line that comes to us from the Incredibles, you know, why does everyone want to celebrate mediocrity? Well, because no one wants to be challenged. But if we are going to be the person who God is calling us to be, we need to allow the challenge to invade our heart, to invade our souls. Growing up in high school, you know, I played all the sports. I especially spent a lot of time in the game of basketball. I had a great deal of respect for my coach. And if my coach came over to me and said, hey, Joe, you need to work on um, handling the ball better with your left hand because it limits you in what you can do as you drive to the basket. If I rejected his, his constructive criticism, was I going to be the best basketball player that I could be? No, he was right. I needed to work on my, my handles. I needed to work on my uh, dribbling skills, huh? I needed to spend more time practicing dribbling to my left with my left hand. And I did, and, and I was a better basketball player for it. But if I rejected him, simply put, I would not be the basketball player that I could be. In the spiritual life, the same thing is going on. If someone comes to us and says, hey, John Doe, <laughs> you need to work on A, B, and C. If he is offering you an objective, constructive criticism, recognize it for what it is and start working on it. In the Middle Ages, late Middle Ages, you saw this phrase emerge, adjure contra, in Latin, act against. What was the idea there? Well, you act against that thing which you are most attached to. So if it was honor, you would seek dishonor. If it was status, you would seek to be brought low. If it was pride, you would seek to be humble. Huh? You would act against the thing you are most attached to. Maybe it was a material good. Well, sell it. You see, for St. Teresa of Avila and the masters of the spiritual life, when it comes to self-knowledge and detachment, it really is about a chipping away where God would create his masterpiece. And who is that? You and I, my friends. We are that masterpiece. This for St. Teresa is what holiness was all about. And within the context of this chipping away, Holiness can be aptly compared to that of a sculpture. It was Leonardo da Vinci who once defined sculpture as the art of removing. I love that, the art of removing. You see, the other arts consist in adding something. I think we've touched upon this before. If it's painting, color to canvas. If it's architecture, stone on stone. 
If it's music, note after note, only sculpture consists of removing, of taking away the pieces of marble that are in excess so that the figure can emerge that one has in mind. Christian perfection is also obtained like this by removing and making useless pieces fall off, namely what? Our desires, our ambitions, sometimes our projects, if not always our carnal tendencies that seem to disperse us and do not let us finish anything. God looks at us and sees us as shapeless blocks of stone. But he says there is something hidden anew, something beautiful inside, and it wants to come out into the light. Allow me to chip away. <laughs> as Romans eight twenty nine reminds us, be conformed to the image of my son and allow that conforming to be the process of chipping away. St. Teresa of Avila offers up for us a particular image, a very concrete image. You know, look in the mirror and put the whiteness, the purity of Christ behind you. You will see your imperfections. You will see your stain. You will see the areas in your life where you need to allow God to wield his pruning knife and begin to do his work. Huh? Second, and that which is akin to the first in the self-knowledge and way towards Christian perfection is determination. Determination as a fruit of uh, Christian daring. Now, it's interesting. I was reading the Catechism earlier. I quoted to you off the top, paragraph 2709. Well, it's 2710 that offers up what I believe to be a very important insight that really comes from the heart of St. Teresa of Avila, and it is in this context of determination as a fruit of Christian daring. Listen to what the Catechism has to say in paragraph 2710. One does not undertake contemplative prayer only when one has the time. One makes time for the Lord with the firm determination not to give up, no matter what trials and dryness one may encounter. One cannot always meditate, but one can always enter into inner prayer, independently of the conditions of health, work, or emotional state. The heart is the place of this quest and encounter in poverty and in faith. So what's going on here? The Catechism is highlighting the centrality of determination as, once again, a fruit of of Christian daring. You know, what does the word determination mean? It comes from a, a Latin word that best translates as to be decisive, to have boundaries, to enclose, to set limits to. Huh? Once you set out and you're determined to do something, you have limits, you have boundaries, you are decisive, you have that laser-like focus, you're not distracted. Huh? You know what you want, in the Christian journey of faith, when that thing is a person, the person of Jesus Christ, nothing else will get in your way. So determination, as what we can really call a virtue, a, the virtue of desire, is something that lies at the heart of the spiritual life. You have heard me talk about this before, that such words as desire, uh, seek, are synonymous with the spiritual life because the spiritual life is all about the, the seeking and, and the desiring more of God. Well, we can include determination. The spiritual life is about determination. 
determination to, to go deeper. And the only way you're going to go deeper is to better understand that there's a, a right way of doing things and a wrong way of doing things. And so you set your limits, you set your boundaries. And going outside of that is nothing more than a distraction. Huh? Now, don't confuse this with Pope Francis's words of going to the margins. Huh? That's not one and the same thing, and I, I think you understand that. In point of fact, going to the margins should definitely be at the heart of what belongs on the inside. That's one of the great paradoxes of our faith and how secular culture has wished to create its own boundaries, if you will, by putting certain people on the margins that we don't see them. Let our line of sight be everything that belongs to Christianity and be determined to give of yourself in any and every possible way. You know, in our society, which all too often <laughs> lacks spiritual values, St. Teresa of Avila teaches us what? She teaches us to be unflagging witnesses of God, of His presence and of His action. She teaches us to feel this thirst for God that exists in the depths of our hearts, this desire, again, to see God, to seek God, this determination to be in conversation with Him all the time as what with God? But His friends. This is the friendship we all need that we must seek anew day after day. When in Colossians 3.10, Paul says, put on the cloth of Christ, he is simply saying, put on the garment of virtue, the garment of Christ, each and every day. We ought to turn to this great figure, St. Teresa of Avila, as one that, yes, teaches us in her spiritual insights and how she talks about prayer, but also as one who lived out on a daily basis what it means to be a child of God, a daughter of God, of course, in her case, because she gave of herself entirely, holding nothing back. She was determined to do, again, anything and everything that God called her to do, and she did so with a laser-like focus. She took all of that grace that God gave her, and she put it to good use. If St. Teresa of Avila teaches us anything, it is this. Devoted prayer, prayer set aside, changes who we are and changes the way we live. So we need to think about her challenge, that challenge that says, be a better version of who you are, that the world might become what it ought to be, a reflection of the very created goodness of God. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.